Oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I was curious which movie I would get, Christmas at the Movies week three. And then I found out I got The Grinch. <clears throat> which what you don't realize is my kid's favorite movie. Notice, I didn't even say Christmas movie. It's just their favorite movie, so much so that last Halloween, we went Christmas themed and I was the Grinch. <laughs> so what you don't know is this is actually a part of my family and not only did I wear it for Halloween, when I went to visit my son's school, I uh, dressed up as the Grinch, that's his teacher. And then uh, I don't think my son minded because I was in costume, there he is uh, holding a little football and then I gave him a hug because you know the Grinch needs some love so he gives it away and then my son didn't seem to mind, which is good news and then suddenly he did mind. So. I love the Grinch. Oh, what is the Grinch? The Grinch is a story of, what do you even call him? Uh, the Grinch, I guess. <laughs> you have the Grinch who doesn't like Christmas. And there's three different renditions of it. There's the, there's the book by Dr. Seuss, which was turned into an animated film in 1966, then remade with Jim Carrey in 2000, which I found out through a poll online on social media that that's your favorite. And then in 2018, it was reimagined yet again by imagination. And I've been watching these movies since, but <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and it's a story of this Grinch who used to like Christmas, as the 2000 version says, and then he's hurt. His little heart is hurt. And then he decides he hates Christmas because his heart was what? Two sizes too small. Then he meets Cindy Lou Who, whose heart doesn't have two sizes too small. Hers is like bursting forth with love. And he meets Cindy Lou Who and he wonders like, maybe could I love this holiday? Could I be loved in this holiday? Opens up his heart, but then is harmed again. It's actually kind of a crazy story when you watch it. And then he decides, what he decides is I'm gonna steal Christmas because he feels awful on the inside and what he wants is for other people to feel how he feels on the inside and that's why he steals Christmas. But then at the end of the movie, what he comes to find is he can't actually steal the joy of Christmas because the joy of Christmas is not the stuff, is it, church? Now, unfortunately, the Grinch doesn't find Jesus, but, you know, <laughs> we will today. But I was... I was re-watching this movie, which I've watched so many times over the past few years, but I was watching it with these spiritual lenses as we're doing in this holiday season. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, little Grinch has childhood wounds that lead to severe isolation. I'm like, wow, Merry Christmas. In fact, I watched it with a friend, and at one point, I, you know, I'm like, watch this, pay attention. I had a few other friends kind of watch the movie. I'm like, send me all your notes. What do you guys think? And I look over in the middle of the movie, and during the moment when little Grinch in the 2000 version... <clears throat> is trying to love someone and you see him conjuring up like love and then he's harmed. I look at my friend and she's crying. So I pause the movie, I'm like, you okay? And this is what she said, she goes, am I the Grinch? I'm like, what do you mean? She shared a little bit. I said, no, because you don't want people to be miserable. She's actually a really lovely friend. <laughs> She doesn't want other people to be miserable, but I had considered her life a little bit, and she had had some trauma. And you know what that had, to led, had led her to? Isolating from people. At times it was a literal like isolation from people, and at other times it was kind of like an isolation. You know how you build walls? Like the people can know you, but they don't really know how your heart is. You know what I mean? 
See, because the thing about Christmas, the thing about the Grinch, it really is an issue of the heart. And we naturally guard it. Why? I mean, Proverbs even gives this wisdom about the heart. In Proverbs 4, 23, it says this, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything. So any grumpy moments you have, what is that? That's just grumpiness that's actually on the inside. In fact, uh, last time I was in Chicago three weeks ago, my, my little boy, a seven-year-old boy, and I went with down this like little sledding thing, the sledding hill, and the employee was just really grumpy that day. And he yelled at my son. And what I tried to do to explain like why this guy was so grumpy, what I did is I, I drew this picture for my son. I said, hey, but so this is that guy's heart. And it's grumpy. And, and, and here's what happens, buddy. And I drew this tree. And then I drew a little piece of fruit right there. And I said, here's the deal. The fruit, what comes out of our life, is actually just a byproduct of whatever's in our heart. So, buddy, the man's really grumpy because I have a feeling he's really sad. I'm sure people were pretty grumpy to him. And then I had a really human response from my son. I said, you know, I wonder if, what, he, what do you think he needs? Just like the Grinch. Now I'm like using him to like teach him biblical truth. <laughs> like, what do you think he needs? My son's like, oh, love. And he goes, but mom, I don't even want to forgive him. Because here's the weird part. Not only was someone mean to this grumpy guy, his grumpiness was now pouring out on my seven-year-old. We have to consider our hearts because the actions that are coming out of them can really hurt other people. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> but I love the idea that we can actually come to a place and we can address our heart and then what we can do is as we open up our heart we can find good news that can actually meet us there. Because that's what we get to bring to our church service, right? We all bring our offerings. Someone was praying backstage for me and they're like, we all bring our unique offerings. For me right now, my offering is teaching. For you, your offering is your heart. I had a friend once ask me about my heart. She goes, hey, well, she, she described it as soul and really there's some similarities there. She's like, how is it? How is it? How are you on the inside? And I think about this question a lot because she kind of stopped me in my tracks because we were just walking past each other. She goes, oh, I've been meaning to ask you, how is your soul? And I'm like, what? Who asks that, right? But I've thought about it quite a bit, because I don't know about you, I know some people who seem to have everything, and yet their heart is like three sizes too small. Or maybe you've met people that have nothing, and yet their heart is just like, okay, so we have a little scale. Church, individuals, how is your heart this morning? See, I don't think that my friend just can relate to the Grinch. The truth is I think all of us can if we understand that what happens with the Grinch with pain and with heartache is that we build up these walls and our, these walls could look like a lot of things. For the Grinch, it looked like grumpiness. Why? Because he then gets to be in control as to why people don't like him. Because if you don't like me, I actually control that because I chose to be the Grinch so it's not even your choice not to like me. Do you see that wall that he's built? It's this like false sense of self. Or maybe it was for him, the wall was literal isolation from people. But here's the weird part. For me, the walls that I built is good behavior. And I can hide behind that. That's a lot easier for me. Or maybe it's drive. I'm gonna get really driven or really busy this season, therefore I don't even have to dress my heart and no one has to see it either. I think there's a little Grinch in all of us. And thankfully, I love what this series is doing is it's not just talking about a movie. What we're doing is allowing that to find 
truth and pull out truth from the biblical narrative. And the truth is, there uh, is not just, there's not just a little Grinch in all of us, there's actually another Grinch in the biblical narrative. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter two. Are you guys ready to hear a word from the Lord God this morning? I'll take the half-hearted clap, I'll take it. And we'll, we'll go from there, that'll be our starting point, good. Here's who we meet in Matthew chapter two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So we're talking about King Herod. A little bit about him. He was the king of Judah in the time that Christ was born. He is most well known. When I had a trip to Israel, we talk a lot about him as this ambitious builder. And he built a lot of things. He built, he built ports. He built cities. He built, he was actually one of the ones that got to rebuild the temple. And the problem with this ambitious builder is that what he focused on was solely building one kingdom and that kingdom was his own. In fact, that got him into a little bit of trouble because not only did he build literal buildings. He also built metaphorical walls for control to keep everybody at a distance so that he couldn't be touched. And this is who we're talking about. And what we're going to find is suddenly in verse one, we find there's a problem. So this King Herod, magi from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king? Hear the title? The Magi show up, and who's Herod? He was the Roman appointed king of the Jews. The Magi show up and they ask this, where is the one, singular? Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews, same title? We saw his star when it rose, why? Because they were astrologers. And when it rose, and they have, we have come to, notice this, why they came, to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. So why was King Herod disturbed? Well, at 70, right around the age of 70, he was sick. And here's what he's coming to find out. Five miles south of him, there's a new king, and he's learning to walk. And the Magi come, not just to find him, but to worship him. Can you imagine how this would have been received by Herod? You don't have to imagine it, it's right here. He was disturbed, and then it takes it another step. It says not only was he disturbed, it says all of Jerusalem was disturbed, and here's why. Because when Herod was disturbed, it was dangerous. And if you haven't heard a lot of the background of King Herod, it was dangerous when he got mad. His actions were just a reflection of his heart. And so when there was disturbance in his heart, there was disturbance all around. And the Magi show up. And suddenly this king is realizing that everything he has built is at risk. And you notice in his actions a lot of insecurity, which is ironic because as the king, he probably had the most security, yet he was insecure because he viewed everyone as a threat. So let's see what happens. Verse 4. So when he, Herod, had called all, together all the people, the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet, they're now about to speak about, Micah has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you, this is again a prophecy, out of you will come a ruler. But notice what kind. Who will shepherd my people Israel. 
the prophecy was that the next king would not be a tyrant, but a shepherd. And we continue. So Herod, verse seven, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Do you think that's the truth? No. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, notice not, no longer in a manger, so Jesus is not a newborn baby anymore. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And look what they did. They bowed down and worshiped him. Do you see how the actions come from the heart? They were overjoyed then that led to this bowing down and worship. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Magi show up to Christmas, come ready to worship, and they do. See, because in God's presence, they drop to their knees and worship. By contrast, a literal five miles away, Herod and everyone else is disturbed. The actions come from the heart. The actions, the byproduct, comes from the heart. What do you think's in Herod's heart? That's what I wanna talk about. And I wanna really do a lot of work to open up heart. Here's why, because I wanna to get to really good news, but the bad news makes the good news gooder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's some stuff in our heart, isn't there? And Herod's, it was so unchecked that it became a massive problem. Herod trusted no one. As I'm saying that, I'm feeling overwhelmed because I know there's people in this room that feel the exact same way. The actions may not be as crazy. See, I mean, Herod, he literally killed three of his sons in order to protect the crown. This is why the whole town was disturbed, because he has a past. Augustus said this about Herod. It said, in this day and age, it was better to be Herod's pig than his own son. And it wasn't just that he was willing to kill his own kids. Look at verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. This is why he was disturbed. These are the actions, the byproducts of what happened in his heart when it went unchecked. I think a lot of us might even see the byproducts of our heart in our actions, but we try to fix the actions, don't we? Okay, I just, and maybe you do this, you make a mistake and you go, okay, I just gotta, gotta stop doing that. Or, hold on, let's get a little personal for me. Maybe it's your kids, you see the actions, and what do you tell them? Don't do that, be nice. Anyone else? Just me. Appreciate that, yeah. Can I tell you something? I could actually get my kid to behave at times. I could probably control him just a bit, but here's the thing, if I only focus on behavior, here's the deal, he could become a really well-behaved 16-year-old with no faith, because I've come to realize that good behavior is almost like the counterfeit 
to true authentic faith because you can look a certain way on the outside and he can in some ways hide and control and cover and those are the walls that he could eventually build. But the truth is parents, if one thing we can acknowledge is our goal is not to fix or make them perfect but allow every single action we see to simply uncover what's really going on inside because that's where God wants to meet them in the heart. And he wants to transform us from the inside. Is there any actions that you don't like that you're doing? (gasps) Allow God to use it to look at your heart because that's where he wants to meet you this Christmas season. He doesn't want you just to try to fix yourself and then go through the holiday season and try to behave really well. Anyone else gonna see any difficult um, people in the holiday season? And you're just gonna try and be on your best behavior? Can I tell you this? This is your chance to open up your heart and let's see what God does there. See, Herod completely missed this opportunity, and so his actions continue to get more and more out of control, and he keeps building up even more towers, and not only building up physical towers, he's also building up this false self who is seemingly untouchable, high up on a mountain, Grinch anyone where no one can touch him. Because it feels like building up the walls and maybe living in a little bit of isolation feels a lot safer than pain, right? Projecting something, a false self that feels safe, feels a lot safer than pain. I was there last week. Do you wanna know what walls I built up? By the way, it's so weird because every time I do my messages, it just always has to go through my life, which is kind of a problem. (laughs) Okay, so here's what it is. We're just gonna get vulnerable because this is life. And if I'm asking you to be honest, I'm gonna be honest too. So my anniversary was a week ago. And, um, And if you don't know, my husband went to heaven, so this is obviously a difficult day. And it's weird, all my friends were asking me leading up to it, and I wasn't even aware of my heart in this. I wasn't aware. They'd go, ooh. They'd go, how are you feeling leading up to it? And this is my response. Oh man, hold on. Ooh, sorry. This is what I would do. I was like, oh, I'm, to- I'm good. I'm totally good. I th- and they go, what are your plans for the day? A lot of my friends ask this. A lot of my friends know, and they're so thoughtful. They're like, what are your plans? I'm like, oh, I got lots of plans. You know what my wall was? Busy and distracted, and I don't even have to think about it because that feels a lot safer than pain. I'm like, I'm good. I actually think I'm all right. I think I'm all right. And then the day comes and a friend literally shows up at my door and asks about my heart. And I'm like, ah, you know it was easier? Saturday morning cartoons with my kids. And she goes, I just was praying for you all morning and here's what I, I prayed. I prayed that you would actually be able to experience God's character through people today. Look for it. I'm like, fine. <laughs> and I did. And here's the profound thing. I won't tell you the details of the day, but here's what I'll tell you. I wouldn't have known God as comforter if I would have pretended to be fine all day. I wouldn't have known God, I wouldn't have known a a deeper, more intimate version of God as good if I just would have brought, I'm fine, to that day. Because God's not gonna meet us where we're not. See, the problem with this false self that we can project is that false self cannot actually receive love because it's not us. I tell you that day, was it painful? Yes. But friends, I got to know God in a far more intimate way. And I got to the end of the day and I'm like, I feel like I actually know God is comfort and I, I haven't um, allowed myself to be comforted 
by God himself because they haven't always brought out what's actually on the inside to him. And friends, can I tell you, was it painful? Yes. But there's something wildly healing about opening up the precise place that you're at and allowing God, who is love, to meet you there. And that's what I want more for you than anything. I want that. I want you to know how loved you are more than I want you to be comfortable this Christmas season. I want you to experience the radically transforming presence of God this Christmas season more than I want you to focus on all of the details and all the things that need to get done and all the presents and all the other distractions and walls and false selves and towers and anything that we can do to disconnect ourselves from the heart. So I'm so happy you're here this morning showing up and going, here I am, Lord, because he wants to meet us with good news. He doesn't just leave us with our heart wide open because that's something unique about our God is he meets us with truth that we actually need because we all live lives marked by control, wanting to look capable and competent. So of course we build up these walls to keep people from a day, uh, to keep people at a safe distance away from the truth that we're not actually in control, we're not all capable, we're not all knowing. So we just pretend that we are. And the truth is we don't just do that with other people. I think we do it also with God himself. And we, can, just like the Grinch and just like Herod, miss out on the truth of Christmas and God coming to us and meeting us precisely where we're at, our true self in our heart. And so we have good news this Christmas. All that work was to hopefully get you (laughs) to a place where you go, I want to hear it. (laughs) Can you consider your heart before I tell you some really good news? because I got three, three really good news things. Only two bad news, three good news. More good news than bad news. Are you ready? Here's the good news of Christmas. Number one, God pursues us. Remember, we couldn't get to God. Christmas is the story of God coming to us, knowing us that we couldn't get to God, so he comes to us. So whether you realize it or not, whether you're live streaming or not, whether you showed up to church, he's pursuing you. And it's not just in this day, and it's not even just in the Christmas season. In fact, this story of a God pursuing us goes all the way back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter three, verse six, is when humanity makes the first mistake. Three verses later, we read this. But the Lord God called to the man, so he draws them out and says this, where are you? What is God doing with this question? Number one, he's showing them that he actually cares about relationship, because if you notice, that's what questions do. They engage you in relationship. That's why they're so powerful. And he he brings them close, the people that deserve to be very far. He moves toward them. Look, and look at what happens. Chapter three, verse six, they make a mistake. Verse seven, they see themselves and they don't like what they see. They experience this shame. Shame is that sense of uneasiness you feel at the core of your being about yourself. Guilt is hating what you did. Shame is hating who you are. That was verse seven. So six, the mistake. Seven, they see themselves. They don't like it. Verse eight, they try to hide. Verse nine, he moves toward them. And I find the order really interesting in this holiday season considering the Grinch and King Herod. Do we make mistakes? Yes. 
But notice there's a verse in there that he lets them see themselves. Now they don't like what they see, so their temptation in the very beginning is to hide and to cover, to build up walls, keep people at a safe distance. And God moves toward them and who God was is who God is and who God will forever be so I can tell you confidently. He's pursuing you, do you know this? And I want us actually to be really humbled by that to go, remember, you don't deserve it. And here's even better news. You wanna know some good news about his pursuit? His pursuit of you has never even been dependent upon you. Did you catch that? Verse six, they make the mistake. Verse seven, they see themselves. Verse eight, they try to hide and God pursues. It wasn't, they make the mistake, then they see themselves, then they try to hide, then they try to fix things and then he pursues. No, he just pursues them right wherever you're at. His pursuit of you is not dependent upon you. Is that good news for anybody else? It's never been. It's never been dependent upon you. Truth of Christmas, he pursues. Most of us get gifts when we warrant them. Not with our God. His pursuit and the gift of his presence has never been dependent upon us. And I want that for you this holiday season. I was at coffee with a friend just this week and she was talking about, she was going into the details of why she's a little bit nervous this Christmas and who she was about to be with. By the end of the conversation, I'm looking her in the eyes and going, this is gonna be a really important Christmas for you. Like I think even in the, in the entire lifespan of your whole life, I think we can look at this Christmas and go, just don't do this one alone. He cares about your heart. Open it to him. Let him meet you precisely where you're at because he's gonna transform you to look more like him and the thing he's gonna use is precisely whatever's already in there. Don't hide it from him. Do it all with him. Go into every difficult environment with him. He knows how to go into difficult environments. How do I know? Remember the one King Herod created. (laughs) He goes into difficult environments and what does he bring? He brings himself. And I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to look at this Christmas season and go, wait, 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 wait. So it's all about God's pursuit of me? Aren't we supposed to like love God? Oh, second truth. Number one, God pursues us. Number two, God loves us. I know, you already know that, right? He loves us, but I'll tell you, as a pastor, sometimes I get a little bit worried that we may not be loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'll tell you, I honestly think about that quite a bit. How do I get them to like, love God? How can I get you guys to like, live for God? Like, don't live for the world, it doesn't work. I wanna like, stand up here and just go like, it's not working, right? Why are we doing that? Come on, love them. You know, love them, love other people. Go love your neighbor, what are you doing? What are you doing thinking about yourself? No, 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 think about others, it's way better. And I focus so much so on us loving him. Should we? Yes, he even commands it. But notice this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says this, we love, yes, it does matter. We love, but here's why. We love because he first loved us which changes my point in standing here and even the direction of this message is actually not just love God, it's this. Be loved by him first. 
He loves us first. Any love that we have for him is because we were already loved by him. My job is not just to get you to do a lot, it's actually to receive more first. And here's what I love. If our goal is not to love him first, it's to receive love first, then you can be honest about your heart. Maybe in your heart right now you're sitting here because you were forced to be here. <laughs> or you just kind of do it out of rhythm and you, lo you lost touch with your heart a long time ago. Maybe you're angry at God. Good news. He loves you. Maybe you're really sad and disappointed in him. Good news. He loves you. First. Maybe you hate him. He loves you. Maybe you're apathetic toward the faith. He loves you. Maybe you're excited about the Christmas season because of all the fun stuff. He loves you. Maybe you're really wounded by your childhood stuff that you really don't even want to address. He loves you. Maybe you're isolated. He loves you. Do you see the power and beauty of the Christmas message? We love, yeah, 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 we should. But because he first loved us, first. Our job is not to do a bunch of stuff, but receive. We do because he first did. Good news of Christmas, one, God pursues us. Number two, God loves us, and here's where we'll end. Because our, our job is uh, not to try just to love God more. Here's the, I'm gonna give you different homework this week. Open yourself to how loved you already are first. What are we opening to though? What are we receiving? Because like any gift, right, it has to actually be pulled in. What are we receiving? What's the gift? What did he give? Now I'm gonna do this one by memory. Try not to be intimidated. <laughs> For God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. But he's not just waiting for us to get to heaven to experience it. It's life now. God pursues us. God loves us. And number three, God gifts us himself. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? We love because he first loved us. We give gifts because he first gave us the gift of his son. And this is... The best news of all. I mean, it is, it's Christ coming into a very dark situation. Not just the world Herod had created, but also the darkest place in the world, and it's our hearts. See, Herod thought that through death he could put an end to Christ, but it turns out through Christmas, Jesus comes to put an end to death. This is why he came. 
the gift of Jesus is incarnation, God becoming man, isn't just so that he could live a comfortable life, but it was that he might die on our behalf. And then on the third day, rise, that we too might rise with him. And the story of Jesus solves all the isolation we create with all the walls that we've built. So my question is, will you open your heart to him this season? Because here's the good news. He's pursuing you. You wanna know what he's pursuing you with? Love. And he's giving you a gift. What is gift? It's not something you deserve. It's unmerited favor, the gift of grace, the gift of his son. I spoke uh, a couple weeks ago and gave a entire biblical narrative of God's presence at a Christmas event for women. And I had told a story about my cousin who has special needs in the middle of the sermon. And right afterwards, a gal walked up to me and she had some special needs as well. And she walked up to me and she said, why are people so mean? And at the moment, I was just kind of thrown off by it because I thought it was going to be more like, thank you, <laughs> or I liked the message or something. And it was, why are people so mean? But here's what I loved. She was uncovering her heart. And I got to look her in the face and I said, do you know how much God loves you? And it was like she had heard it for the very first time as these little, little tears started coming down her face. She goes, but why are people so mean? Her heart was so hurt. I think so many of us, our heart is so hurt, we're just not willing to admit it bravely like this woman. And I got to look at her, I'm like, do you understand the, the whole Christmas thing that we're celebrating? She's like, people are mean, I wanna be in heaven. I think I'll be made new, I'll be, I'll be better. And I just wanna be there, why am I here? People are so mean. I'm like, well, here's what I know. God loves you and he gives you the gift of Jesus so that Jesus can live in you. And he wants to meet you and he wants to love you. I know you've been hurt, but he wants to just love you. That's all, that's all the Christmas is. That's all the Christmas is. We can go into the Grinch, we can go into the Herod, we can go into all the things. It's just the fact that inside your heart, God wants to pursue you there and he wants to fill you with love there because he fills you with his son Jesus there. It's just all about loving Jesus. And yes, one day we will be experiencing perfect love as we will be with him. And in the meantime, we're gonna meet a lot of really difficult people who have a lot of pain. It's not just you. The truth is, people you're gonna meet this week, fam difficult family, can you just allow God to say, God, show me their heart, because guess what they need there? They need love. And guess what God's plan for the world is? Well, we love because he first loved us. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that even now as we consider our own lives, would you open up and reveal a little bit about our heart? I feel like there's people in this room who have such a hard heart towards you, toward other people, and so we get busy, or we focus on other things, or building our own kingdoms. God, I, I resonate so deeply with this, so God, by the power of your spirit, would you begin even to, before you even break down walls, would you just let us know that we have them? In your kindness and in your love, pursue us pursue our hearts as we open them to you. And yes, I pray, Lord, that you would fill us to the measure of all the fullness of you, that we might become love 
to see people in their pain and to see the hearts of pain. And we can do that, Lord, because you've done that with us. So, Lord, start with us, we pray. And all God's children said,